are not seeing this correct. I mean, you are seeing this correctly. I am doing something new. It's a Skype session instead of Zoom. I don't want to pay any fees. Uh, I, I kid, but still, it's a 40-minute um, thing. But with Skype, it's like I have to do all this. And plus, I can do a background like this. Uh, joining me today is a former guest, uh, Yoko. You all heard of him before. And, but also, he, he actually brought with him his production crew. Yoko has been making movies by himself. Uh-oh, what happened? Okay, this might be a little hard to do on, uh, on Skype, but I'll make it work. Yoko has been making movies with his production crew for, I want to say, the past few years, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty accurate, I'd say. <laughs> so, Yoko, I know you as a director, but who is who in your production crew? Okay, um, so uh, these guys here, um, hello, gentlemen. Uh, uh, these guys here don't have, like, one particular role in the production. Like, they all do, like, various different things. But I guess across the board, starting with the man to, I guess, my right, uh, uh, Michael is a, um, <laughs> there he is, there's Michael, he's is, um, yes, he's uh, been a writer for um, a lot of our projects. He has directed some projects as well, and then he has also been a uh, actor in said projects, um, and Michael, and also to the man who is uh, directly in front of him, uh, Edwin, uh, I have known these two guys uh, since middle school, and they've been helping me on these film projects ever since then. So, um, and to segue into um, Edwin here, uh, Edwin has um, written some stuff that we've done. Uh, he's also acted and also um, he's directed a few shorts as well. So similar tasks as Michael, um, he is also on the creative side. So I think I lean to these two the most in terms of like the creative um, uh, process. Um, uh, for the most part, uh, writing, I'd say. That's the, that's the big one. I uh, rely on these two guys. Hmm. And the uh, gentleman who is in front of me, uh, Nadim Ali, in his shirt. Um, <laughs> That's his it, one shirt, guys. It's his one shirt. <laughs> um, he is a singer-songwriter who um, has some awesome tracks on iTunes and Spotify. Please check out his music. He's, uh, he's also um, a writer, director, and actor. And also he... Um, uh, later on around, um, I think the end of high school and the beginning of like the college era phase, he took on a lot of, uh, production roles. So gaffing, uh, was a big thing and lighting and, and audio. So, um, this man's a jack of all trades. He can do anything, uh, in that beautiful shirt of his. So, uh, I commend him for all the work that he's done and, um, and moving on Thank to you. our final guest, uh, the gentleman who is sitting across from the man who is across from me, uh, Darren J. Deff, um, who uh, has um, uh, worked on some projects of his own. He's done uh, writing, directing, and um, I guess the specialty item for his cr uh, criteria is um, he's the only one of us that, that does like animation work. So that's always been a very impressive yeah. uh, treat. So uh, he has done his own animation works for his um, own production country. Uh, country company uh called sugar pink car studios um he's got a lot of stuff there so definitely check that out as well um he's also done uh visual effects for um one of my films that has been completed and he is now in the process of doing the uh, feature film that we all worked on uh last year uh, which we'll probably get into at some point and then he's yeah. also 
done stunt choreography for our one shot punch series. So um, all these guys here have done multiple different things. And this is why I've always had a hard time kind of classifying everyone because everyone has a very uh, unique, distinct uh, function uh, within the Resistance Pictures film crew. And not a single person is like writer, director, camera. Right. Um, we all do different things. Yeah. The, hat, the hats yeah. tend to kind of like move around. Right. And it's like project to project based for the most part. And um, I guess uh, this is what happens when you don't have a lot of people to work with and not a lot of money. You you kind of have to take on multiple roles. So this is uh, uh, the face of indie filmmaking for us, at least. Yeah. Uh, now, how did you all come together as a group or did you just uh, did you work separately and then suddenly it's like oh i'm on one um, i'm on a my own project i see uh someone who might know you mm -hmm. and then so forth and so on or is it just like uh, a stroke of random luck that you happen to start like meshing uh meshing together into one group it's more of the latter i say like obviously michael and edwin i met in school and nadim i also met in school um uh, Darren, I met through Nadim, I believe. Uh, yes. So it's all kind of like strokes of luck kind of thing. And also, like, you know, there is a hypothetical world, I guess, where I meet these guys and they might not be in the film industry. So that, too, is also kind of a stroke of luck that all of us had an interest and a want to enter the industry. So yeah. it is kind of like a stroke of luck kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, I think a factor, too, is that, like, um there's also the benefit of us being friends and like kind of yeah. growing with each other throughout the yeah. years so i think that's also a factor of like um how there was like a natural uh sort of shift that we can do between like hanging out and then like doing mm. a production i will yeah. just say just to piggyback off that quickly um like i think we kind of have to be friends given like like the difficulties that some indie productions have, like in terms of rain and frigid temperatures, and oh, we would know nothing and a, about and, and, a, and a beach with black with glass bottles on it. Yeah, yeah we know nothing of those problems. If we didn't like each other, there's like no way we'd ever talk to each other again. So it's like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I think you do have to add that sometimes though there are tensions, right? There there are periods of time where things can get a little. Uh, frustrating between people knowing at the end of the day that we work together and our friends helps a lot, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, for definitely. sure. Uh, you have anything to add, Darren? Oh, <laughs> um, no, what, uh, what, what they said. Well, but, um, uh, Darren, you, you had one of the rainiest, wettest shoot days on uh, a film <laughs> yeah. called Boxman, so you, you maybe could talk to, um, yeah, so I guess when it comes to, uh, yeah, like it, it definitely helps that we all like friends and we all done films for each other and we've all, I don't know, like kind of just, whenever anybody needs something, we're kind of just like there for that um, for the most part. And it just helps to, it just helps the collaborative, you know, effort for everything. Um, yeah, the rainy day parts. Uh, yeah, like I'm all game for, for those dangerous, more dangerous stunts that I can perform, uh, even though it's the cost of you know near death. Um, 
uh, I don't recommend for anyone else, but um, it's just those things that um, that really, you know, up a production value in something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is the collaborative effort is overall what is like saving grace of it all. Mm. Yeah. Uh, now you just mentioned production value. Uh, when someone has say, "Hey, I got an idea. I want to do a, a short film." Uh, who is the one that says, uh, like, who's the one that comes up with the production costs and stuff like that too? It's like, do we have uh, a camera that we can use? Do we have a locations and so forth and so on? Because I know in a production crew, there's usually someone, who, especially when I was doing uh, short films in college, there was always that one guy or one girl, or one person just essentially cost managing everyone's saying hey okay we're doing that one shoot day in the library uh we have no budget but we do have x uh we do have uh the department's um backing here's what we could use during for all that so when you are making a and like what you said before you know independent filmmaking when you are making independent filmmaking how do you essentially source all the money together because I know you for uh, I know for the last session you put a what was it Indiegogo or fund or GoFundMe I forget which one but I did both <laughs> oh, okay. and Indiegogo or GoFundMe is a great way to fund projects especially uh especially if you're on arms uh, or Patreon or if you're really or if you're really spicy only fans I joke but sadly <laughs> no more um, actually, they, they just um, re- renounced that decision. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they so, did. Yeah. I mean, we can kickstart that uh, back, boys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll re-up my old account. Oh my god! <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, I'm just kidding. We support such. We, we have you know, editing have capabilities on this, right? Yeah, editing will be like. Oh, thank God! Uh, thank I mean, uh, cool, cool, cool. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, when you have. Uh, all kidding aside, um, when you do have a, a function like a Patreon, an Indiegogo, a GoFundMe, uh, helping you into creating this budget for essentially a, a project of yours, especially if it's like a minute project that only needs, like, say, a few film days, but the bulk of everything will probably be like, I need a camera that feels real, mm-hmm. but we don't have it in our own budget. So when you're essentially scrounging up money for your own project like what are the like who's the one that says okay i got you guys don't worry in in terms of uh managing all the resources or like gathering the money together? yeah managing, Both all the- managing and gathering um well That's yoko not- do you want to yeah uh yeah, go ahead yoko it is yoko actually at least from the last session on that part yeah uh, I guess, uh, just speaking on, um, at least the projects for resistance pictures, at least like just my own endeavors, that's, um, that's all mostly from out of my pocket. Yeah. Um, and most of the videos on our channel are films that probably max have like a, at the most, probably like $200, probably. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think the Blade Runner one might be not including expensive. not including gear and the like. Yeah, Blade and not Runner including was... gear. Yeah, yeah, I'm not including gear. Yeah. Um, but like some of the short films, like uh, for example, Boxman that Nadim and Darren are in, 
Um, I only purchased uh, the box that Anadim um, is inside of, but that's the only production cost that I spent. Yeah. So, um, for the most part, um, for these short film endeavors, at least as of now, um, they have been very minute in scale. So I try um, my very best to write stories that we could potentially film with the resources that we have. So there isn't any like scripts that says like interior spaceship, you know, like mm. we're not at that level as of right yeah. this moment, but hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, one day soon, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but for last session, at least that was mostly out of my pocket. Um, yeah. I did raise some money on Indiegogo and GoFundMe. However, that wasn't enough to cover the cost of the film, unfortunately, but uh, the rest of it, I just covered on my own end. And um, so, yeah, it's always tough financially to re uh, to gather the resources, but I always try to just make the most financially uh, safe choice as I can, because obviously I'm not made of money. Um, I think we're all in the same boat of like starving artists, sort yeah. of. So um, we try to create uh, films and projects that we potentially can make with the little amount of resources and money that we have. And also time as well, because time is also very um, integral, because obviously all of us are, are working and doing other yeah. things. So it's it's incredibly difficult to schedule um, time for us to make projects. But we try as much as we can, uh, depending on the importance of the project. For example, like last session was a higher priority over other projects because uh, this is a movie that had money behind it and it was our first feature film. So there's yeah. a lot of things that were going uh, into that that um, it wasn't going into, for example, say, like uh, The Box Man or A Woman's World. Those are more smaller scale productions that are more kind of just for um, <clears throat> um, my own creative endeavors and just for basically practice in a way. Like uh, the short films on the YouTube channel are are a method for me to experiment different techniques and different styles. Uh, but um, something like the last session that cost almost... Um, $9,000, almost $9,000. Um, wow. Something like that um, took a lot more care and a lot more time to really um, make sure all the production elements were still there and making yeah. sure that everything was all fine and dandy. Now, with the last session, and I know you wanted to talk about it before, uh, <clears throat> but you know, last year when we were doing a thing, or early this year, I forgot when we actually uh, filmed our interview. Mm. It was probably it was probably last year. Uh, you mentioned going, you were go about to start production into the last session. Right. Now the pre-production phase, especially with COVID, like how much of the original planning was changed around? Because I know you filmed mm. or at least shown like snippets of it right before like the pandemic really shut everything down and then because it was like uh i think michael and nadim in the forest or on train tracks or something mm -hmm. like that and you were like showing like behind the scenes footage or rehearsal footage just to show hey you know this is what we'd be doing you know this is like what we're trying to do but because of yeah covid how much of the script or if any was really switched around because of um either timing or we originally had like maybe a few people in the scene, but we really didn't want to have, we didn't want to risk everything. Yeah. Right. Um, I just want to point out that 
as you asked that question, everyone in the auditorium laughed. So I think that's a clear indication of what happened during that set. Um, uh, to answer, yeah. yeah, to answer that question, um, it was a complete 180 of the script that Michael and I wrote together. Um, Michael and I began writing the script, I believe, in October of 2019 for a scheduled filming um, uh, estimated date of April 2020. Uh, and then obviously COVID hit and yeah. uh, we couldn't film. And um, and there were just some numerous things that um, went on prior uh, to filming and then during filming that did change our minds on the story and the idea of it. Um, during the pandemic, Michael and I, I mean, technically we're still in the pandemic, but the height of the pandemic. The height. Uh, where everyone yeah, was, was like locked down. Yeah, the, and it was the, so the hard pure lockdown around. and no one can leave their houses. Um, Michael and I took a lot of time and we were Skyping like two or three times a week and looking at the script, reading the script and trying to perfect it because we have all this time on our hands. So might as well use that time uh, wisely. Yeah. So um, and then once we started shooting, there were some other changes that that uh, we made um, that uh, we realized on sets. Um, uh, we found certain weaknesses and different uh, thematic things that uh, um, we wished uh, to tweak a little more. So um, that uh, script was an ever changing script. I don't know if you guys want to discuss how how uh, the script kept kind of altering, even though it somewhat stayed the same for the most part. Uh, yeah, like we ran into um, some things during the production. We realized that, uh, you know, we got to find a way to make things kind of smoother. So um, while a lot of thing, while a lot of general things about the story, I would say, remain the same, um, you know, sometimes in scenes we would um, uh, alter dialogue just ever so slightly so that it could be a little bit more um, approachable uh, for me and Michael, for example. Um, yeah, that's all that really comes to mind right now. And to answer the COVID part of that question, I mean, we were scared, very scared about doing the um, doing the movie at all. Um, mm -hmm. And when we ended up doing it, it was kind of when things were slowing down a bit. We made sure the crews were smaller than we had originally anticipated they would be. Um, but some of the script changes were due to that, and some of them were due more to, like, the feasibility of some of the ideas that we had. Um, yeah. You know, so that there were there were a number of reasons it changed, but it was changing. I think, like Nadine, you kind of alluded to, like we would be tweaking dialogue lines, like on the car ride up to the yeah, location. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. as Nadim, who's one of the actors, was driving, we would be like tweaking the script. Now, so <laughs> yeah. just just irresponsible. That, that, was, that was fun. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, so you see him driving, you and you hear him go. So Andrew, how? <laughs> just like yeah, it's, it's really great. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the um, we were. Um, very blessed, um, a uh, sort of family friend of Yoko's, uh, who I got to work with a little bit, uh, Greg, um, he was very generous to uh, lend his car uh, for the production to help us, you know, kind of get to and from yeah. where we shot over Long Island. And um, yeah, I, I, the car could use some work. Let me just put it that way. Uh, so it made it, uh, it made driving it around a little bit of a challenge, but a fun challenge to do that. And exactly as Michael said, sometimes we would be uh, altering like uh, lines um, sometimes on the day of shooting uh, just to make sure that we're doing the best performance that we can, like given where our own interpretations of the characters. Um, 
we had a Google, we had a G drive we were using um, to modify any of those like line changes. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know how to conclude that. You can, you can cut that out. You can cut that out. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, actually, uh, picking up on that, uh, Michael, uh, Yoko, uh, since you were both the screenwriters, uh, and this was your first feature to, you know, a full first feature film to write, mm -hmm. what was the challenges that you had compared to writing a, you know, a short screenplay, which is probably like maybe five, ten pages long, compared to like maybe something that's probably like something that you wrote to like say 140 pages long or 100 or 110. You want to go, you want to go first? Yeah, go yeah, first? yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, well, so it, it's a huge difference. You have to be able to sustain, whether it's 120 pages, 140 pages, sustain a story, sustain audience interest. And I think audiences are generally way more forgiving if they're watching a five minute short film or a 10 minute short film to see it through to the end, but you lose somebody you know, I think pretty quickly if they understand they have to watch another hour of this or hour and a half of this if they're not liking it. Mm -hmm. So the big thing was kind of making sure the characters and their motivations were, and the, and the obstacles that would come up, the surprises, would be enough to sustain an entire movie. And we actually wrote uh, an incomplete but nearly full feature film script for a completely different movie that we didn't end up doing before this. Yes. And that didn't really work because we didn't really consider those things of like, how do we make this last? Like, why is this character doing X, Y, and Z? And by like page 60 or 70, it just kind of like fell apart. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the big takeaway. It's just like making sure that it's interesting and that it's working, um, which I think we hopefully did for last session and our new movie that we're scripting and about to go in production, which I feel very confident about, Susan Khan, I think has a great script. So keep an eye out for that. And Susan piggybacking Khan. on what he said, um, just real quick, um, I, wholeheartedly agree that it was so difficult to uh, construct a, um, a narrative that was engaging through and through throughout and um, again like Michael uh, um, like you were saying to keep the audience um, there for uh, the runtime of the film and the biggest challenge that me and Michael were facing during the writing of the film is the fact that it's such a heavy subject matter that it was very taxing on the both of us emotionally to get into the mindset of the characters that were being written and to understand the emotional complexities of the characters. So um, I sincerely hope that we've done it justice. Um, um, I think it's something that I won't 100% um, know until I see the final cut of it. Um, yeah, but I do think that it was a huge challenge and michael you alluded to uh, a previous short film idea that we had or that, feature uh, idea feature film uh, yes a feature film idea that we were uh, that we were writing at the time that um again like fell through around page 70 because uh the idea was good but but uh, we didn't have an idea of the narrative structure of the film but uh, for yeah. uh, for last session we mapped out everything we made sure that all the character beats were intact and uh, plot a goes to plot B and C and D and uh, hopefully all those things are fully realized in the in the cut that we see um, but yeah it, it was such a um, a hard challenge uh, to write this feature film because of the fact that it was a long B a heavy subject matter and C because it was so uh, difficult to um, uh, apply all of the thematic and and 
emotional beats of what we needed to have uh, the story uh, do uh, within this script. Yeah, uh, when you say uh, emotional heavy subject, uh, that could be like a, a number of things. And I know that the, the session is about a man speaking to a psychiatrist or a therapist when without really giving it away mm -hmm. what could you really say what the long i mean the long section the the session is about without really spoiling the fact you know as best as 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 you and as best as and this goes to anyone as best as anyone could actually put it without really spoiling it. um so the last session is about uh a man who kidnaps his therapist and forces him to perform a final therapy session. Hence, it's called the last session. And yeah. uh, the film's narrative structure um, cuts from the present day sequences, and then it would flash back to prior sessions, so we can see a glimpse of how the other previous sessions went uh, to inform what the character wants in this final session. So. It jumps back and forth between the past and the present. And without giving it away, um, uh, Michael's character, uh, Andrew, has a very um, uh, troubled past and he's still trying to get a grips on said past. And through, through doing this kind of criminal action by taking uh, Nadim, uh, his character, into the woods, um, they... Um, they start to realize that they're able to connect with each other potentially. And the, the drama of the film is the relationship between the two of them and how unstable it can be. So there yeah. are some moments of serenity, but some moments of pure hostility. Um, it's a film that's meant to keep the audience on their toes and figure out what exactly is going on. So uh, um, the main surprise of the film is basically the relationship between the two of them and how that relationship is um, moving forward through the story and it'll take some twists and turns along the way. Um, if anyone else wants to elaborate on the film's plot without giving away any um, spoilerish details. I that, think that's, I think that's the answer. No one wants to yeah, do it. That's the answer. Uh, but I am. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Oh, was, was huh? Uh, oh, Dean, did you say something? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, you know, story about um, there being stakes between two people and um, how much these two two different people realize um, that they have commonality uh, throughout this situation. Uh, to kind of add on to what Yoko said, yeah. yeah. If I can add a little bit too, um, it's like in a way about the unraveling of certain truths that mm -hmm. yeah comes with. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So that would be like sort of. And how the truth is hard to uh, it's hard to deal with sometimes. It's hard to face, but we have to face it mm -hmm. in order to um, you know, find our true self. Yeah, now, exactly. Nadim, Darren, and Edwin, when, when you got this project together, and like, what was your reactions to essentially reading the full script? Because I know because Nadim, you'll be starring it. Uh, Michael, you'll be starring it. Who you know wrote it, and I figured you know since. We got the we got uh, what's it called uh, the information. Well, we got 
Michael and Yoko starts, like, how did you three think compared to when they when Yoko and Michael said, hey, we got an idea for a full movie. It's about a uh, a, a therapist who was kidnapped by his patient. I can't really say what more compared to the final product when you finally got the script and go, oh, wow. Just very quickly, interestingly enough, I, I called Michael and Nadim over to a Starbucks when I first had the idea. And I just oh, told yeah. them. <laughs> remember you remember that? that? Like I told yeah. you guys the whole pitch for it. And then, every time, yeah. Every and, time and you tell me an idea. Met, yeah, and then these two, after I say the idea, and I say, I want you to play this character, and you to play this character. What do you think? I was met with like ten seconds of like pure silence. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's the, that's exactly what I want to hear. But anyway, when you, told uh, me the, the, when you told me the trick for the next one we're doing, I also like gave you ten seconds of silence. <laughs> that was more like that was more like al almost thirty. Yeah. So. <laughs> but anyway, Nadim and the three of you, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I was. Cautiously optimistic about how we're going to handle a feature film. Um, I think that was the, the thing that was most going through the back of my mind because unfortunately, well, for either better or worse, I tend to think like a producer <laughs> insofar as uh, you tell me a project, the first thing I'm thinking of is like uh, 90 minutes, uh, and like what type of camera we're going to use, uh, do we have a location, um, mm -hmm. do we have like a budget um, uh, for this and whatnot. So, and you know, we had done a lot of shorts before, but this is our first time really attempting feature. So I was like, uh, this seems like the logical next step in our journey uh, into the industry. Uh, but there was naturally like this sort of like tension that I had amongst myself of like, uh, you know, can we do it? And uh, is a script something that uh, would it require like, like, a, you know, like thousands of dollars of money just to have into the budget? Uh, but then we get the script, and I'm reading through it. We did a table read together, and I'm like, "Oh, this is like this is something that's it's personal, and um, you know, it's a story about characters. It's not necessarily um, a story that involves like you know action, a lot of action and thrill. There is, of course, action and thrill, but uh, I was uh, just really pleased to see that it was like a character study." Um, mm. That could be a bias because I like those types of films. I like films that are more about like character and interactions. Um, so once I saw the script, I was like, you know what? This feels like it's happening. Like this really feels like it's really happening, and that uh, we're gonna have a good product at the end. Hmm. So that was like my reaction to like reading the whole script after knowing the concept that we had in mind and knowing that I'd be playing. Um, uh, the therapist and that uh, Michael be playing the patient. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've got to just add, I think, taking like a macro view and uh, taking a, a step back and kind of seeing these two beautiful gentlemen over here kind of growing in the filmmaking industry. You know, you, you watch some of the older works and you kind of uh, watch an evolution of art kind of grow over time. And, and as you're reading the script, you kind of form the images in your head, this, the, the certain transitions that he's, the, he's kind of um, described. And it's just amazing to see how far they've come um, into creating such... Uh, you, can, you can see the progress throughout different stages of the filmmaking career and resistance pictures or resistance productions. And um, it, it was just uh, pretty cool to see how far they've come.
all this way. Thank you, Edwin. Your skin looks really good, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we've still we've still got the Texas afterglow of light. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know. It's looking good. Looking good. Um, um uh, should I go? Yeah, 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 please, please. Um, your skin looks the second best, by the way. Jesus. <laughs> no, no. I'm literally trying to use a second screen to light my face because <laughs> there's not enough lighting in here. Um, so, that so which uh, I need to get my own like lighting system, and I don't really want to do that. Anyway, Darren. <laughs> um, for me, um, actually, I think Edwin said it the best, but um, but uh, I I've been working with uh Yoko's and Yoko's <laughs> Yoko and his team. <laughs> For I don't know, like I came in on like the first one shot punch, um, and then I got the role in a, a, a I, I want to call it a walk on role because <laughs> I just played my <laughs> in um in a woman's world. <laughs> no, no. Yes, yes, you did. Yes, you did. It's not a walk on. And, um, and then I just did the box man, and then you know, um, then the next thing I know, I'm hearing about a feature. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, but I, I've seen most of Yoko's work. Um, that one time we did a sit down. Um, to like watch all the previous um, uh, productions, uh, Resistance Pictures has done, um, and I will say for me, um, similar to Nadim, like I, I also do the producer thing, um, but I, I go into high logistics as well, like as far as, you know, like similar budget and stuff, but also like probability and logistics and legality of things, um, and also when it comes when it came to the first draft of the script. I had a lot of um, questions and concerns about it, um, and then I, I like I, I I have them because like I care about the product, so I want Yoko to make the, the best project he can. Um, so I'm definitely I think one of the hardest people on Yoko about it um, for good reason. Uh, <laughs> and um, and uh, I was happy to help him with the, the entire project and still doing the, um, the visual effects on it. Mm -hmm. I've been learning a lot of visual effects for the uh, um, the. The new pr aspect of the um, of, of the last session that we're doing, and it's uh, it look good. Now, <laughs> and again, to those who were watching previous in my previous episode, I was like, oh, I would have comic artists and whatnot. And I know this episode kind of like deflates the fact, but Darren just said that he is an, uh, a visual artist, so that counts as an as an artist so so technically speaking my uh, my thing of uh, being the next episode being an art focused thing is kind of true by association but still yeah, it worked on i just want to give that little uh, nod to the previous episode which was in my previous episode i said oh by the way i'm hoping to at least get a couple of artists within the next couple of episodes and sure enough i i filmed that th i filmed that back in june so okay yeah Uh, do you mind if I use the bathroom while that plane goes by? Just very Let's go. Ben Sorry. is gone, Yoko. Ah, oh, damn. Never mind. Go ahead. Interestingly ah. enough. We had some uh, problems with planes. We were, oh. uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, when we were building oh. last session, we were out in this big, like, park area, and we'd scouted it, like, two or three or four times, and it was, like, beautiful and quiet, and we appeared on set, all of a sudden, like every other take, there was just like a small, incredibly low flying plane just yeah. ruining the audio. And like we looked and I guess there was like either like a training place or like right. a small yeah. airport that we had no clue about. So look for local I airports. I know which one you're talking about. I forgot the name, but it's like it's 
like a stone. Well, I wouldn't say it's a stone's throw away from me, but it's like a few miles away from me. And I know uh, Yoko was like, hey, Brian, will be able to make it out to this uh, park? And, and I was like, ah, I could probably do it. But, you know, this was also during the, the, the height of the pandemic, like slowly started, like slowly starting to slow down. But they haven't really uh, issued out vaccine shots and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was still nervous about going on to the public transportation now that I do it like regularly to go into places now. And I know exactly what uh, Floyd Bettis Field, there we go. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the same one they were talking about, but Floyd Bettis Field is basically an old uh, aviation uh I'm not sure if it's still in use, but it's basically an aviation. Uh, uh, oh yeah, that was for. Um, yeah, that was for um, a piece of the film that we had to change location, and Darren came in the clutch on that day, and we were able to use um, his dad's warehouse. But uh, that day on Floyd Bennett Field, we were, uh, we were supposed to be filming out there, but um, they kind of like kicked us out um, early on. It was so, uh, unfair. Um, for was yeah, um, so there is. Uh, I think it maybe it might be even be Stuning Farmingdale. I know they have like a air like a like an air program there because we were a little be, bit yeah. deeper into Long Island. I want to say like oh. about halfway through. Uh, but yeah, Floyd Benaville is dope. Like there's like these parts where uh, not to deviate too much from our conversation, but there's these parts where you're driving on like open road and it's like an old tarmac. Yeah, like yeah. this fully uh, open tarmac. I think they even have like a uh, like a police training uh, school over there or something. But yeah, um, we there's like a part in Floyd Benefield where you can kind of park by the water. Um, right. And we didn't see any like signage or anything telling us that like we can't be here at a certain time. So uh, yeah, one of those things where you you come there the day of, you're ready to go. We're setting up camera. We're setting up uh, the lives and audio. And then it's like, hey, you guys got you guys can't be here. Um, like, and we're like, cool. oh, okay, yeah, we understand. No, cool. no, 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 you have to leave like now. It's like, uh, okay, cool. Yeah. That was one of the. Uh... Say, Darren? <laughs> <laughs> it's behind us now, so I can say it. <laughs> did, uh, yeah, Nadine, you did mention Long Island, and one of the things about Long Island is that it's a. It's a big massive place uh, because like i always joke is like oh where does you know where does uh you know uh where does brooklyn st- you know brooklyn queens start and then when then there's long island because and it's like are we already on long island because this is technically <laughs> end of long island because and then and then you go all the way towards the end of long island which is essentially uh, nantucket or around that time yeah. uh, for all of you, and yeah, for all of you, what was your experience filming on Long Island? Because I know it's like, you know, when I hear Long Island, it's like, I don't want to drive, drive out to Long Island. It's like a few hours away. It's like, you know, I, by the time I get there, it's, probably, it's already probably like afternoon, even if I leave early. You know, it's like, I don't want to, you know, there's just traffic, you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff. It's like, it's like going into Queens on the train because you have to, you have to essentially plan out where you come where are you going where are you going to queens on the train especially if you have to take you know you know uh, because since i live in brooklyn i have to really plan out to go into queens because there's no trains going into queens from brooklyn unless i'm on unless i'm in downtown i'm able to get the g train and i'm able to get to queens there but 
yeah, from your experiences, compared to what you always heard, like how was it film? How was it filming on Long Island? Um, the uh, scenery, which was something that I did expect, was was really was really nice. Um, you know, we we used to do um, a lot of hobby projects um, back in school over in uh, the Ramble part of Central Park, which yeah. um, you know has amazing uh, has this amazing uh, greenery and scenery. And uh, ironically, like going into this production, it kind of felt like an expansion of that. The areas of this um, uh, county park that uh, we were shooting in, and, it was some of the same and, problems. Um, usually, yeah. Uh, yeah, and usually uh, uh, when uh, we would be uh, heading there or coming back, we would stop by like a little Starbucks or like a pizza spot. And uh, one of the things that I find very memorable was like the just the switch between uh, starting your day at, at like you know 5 30 a.m or such and so forth in like the heart of manhattan and then we drive all the way out to long island and it's like this holy this whole different like um, atmosphere yeah um, that's probably the best uh you know that's probably the most that comes to mind about that um we, we did every now and then pass by like some hikers or like some locals and nice people um so it was uh, it was a good break in a way from like just being in the city all the time yeah, in, in its own funny. way, despite the challenges of actually um, doing the shoots. Now, which brings me a good question: Is filming in the city compared to filming out in the country somewhere? Uh, with the country, it's more naturalistic problems. You know, like uh, if you're filming out in a forest, you know. Where is the sunlight coming from? Is it coming from here? Where is it coming from here? You know, all that stuff. Compared to, say, filming out in Manhattan somewhere, you know, is the sunlight bouncing off in one direction over here so I could have a nice little thing here? Especially if, if you're filming on night, which a lot of people usually do, you know, is the lamp giving me good enough lighting to look you know, appealing. So compare. So, yeah. How is it compared to filming in a more metropolitan city like New York City, Manhattan, compared to going out into the more I don't want to say suburban uh, suburban uh, lifestyle that is Long Island, but the more countryish parts of Long Island. Um, I'll let you guys. Um... Take this one. I just, I just do want to say that one thing that it probably isn't different is that, like, it's the same as that you still need permits. <laughs> okay. I was yeah. gonna say, uh, Edwin actually for years and years and years has been begging us to stop filming in the city and like take a train upstate <laughs> or go out because just because oh, we run into yes. so many of the same problems in the city whenever we film there where it's too crowded, it's too busy. Um, all the nice places are like indoor places that someone else owns, so you can't use them. Uh, and so yeah, just I don't know, Edwin, if you have a philosophy you want to lay down on us, maybe this is your your chance. Yeah. I, no, I, I and it, I think it comes from uh, people who probably groups who film in the countryside or suburbs. They probably want that city trope atmosphere or environment to film in as well. I think um, as we developed our filmmaking, you know, skills and we've produced all these films in the city, we just kind of craved the non-city uh, right. background. And I think 
that's why we like like Nadim said we we ventured into the rambles um we tried to go to areas that didn't look like it had buildings or cars right um but like they said it's not as easy as just going out there with the camera and doing it yeah uh, permits are super required uh because they're all private property mm-hmm. um in yeah. most locations i could say something on that oh yeah. no go ahead Darren. yeah please um so uh, so when it comes to uh yeah like uh well i guess to answer the, the basic question the base the first question of like uh it was like what's it like filming in the countryside right yeah yeah oh, uh, it's actually very very nice um it's mm-hmm. like it, it it definitely feels like a break from um from the city and like you, you really do get uh oh uh oh uh oh he froze okay uh, wait i hear my... i hear him warbling darren huh hey darren darren Oh, I froze? Yeah, yeah you froze. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Um, All right, we see you, we see you. Hey. Oh, no, 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 no. What happened? I'm back? Yeah, yeah you're back. back. You're okay. back, yeah. I'll be less animated. Uh. <laughs> that, that takes a while. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, it is nice. It is very nice. Um, it's just definitely a, a traveling there um with, with like the one or two cars we were able to get but the people that you know came out to to drive us shout out to um uh, the additional driver um nari for um for coming out from long island to come to the city to drive into i uh, not from new jersey into from new, new jersey, york yeah yeah, yeah. like shout out deep to nari. jersey too peter yeah. lewis also did some driving darren you did some driving i just yeah i mean and sean uh, also yeah all the drivers um Yes, because it was quite a trek. Um, but when it comes to um, like like the future of filmmaking for me and, and permits, um, they're a little bit they're actually quite easier to acquire than I expected. Actually, uh, depending on some variables, you can actually get them for free, and um, and like it just it just it's more of just forming the locals around you and uh, any like particular authorities that may or may not consider it dangerous for you to film there um it's it's kind of like you can actually get the the permits that you need for a particular shoot dates as long as you can just say like this like you can actually prove it that it's not going to be a dangerous shoot or uh again anyone's way that kind of thing um so yeah like yeah permits before looking into it were like kind of like hard to acquire or even think about acquiring but um yeah, moving forward, it's something that I do recommend uh, productions in the future, like of all get. Granted, filming like upstate can alleviate that because like it's going to be like hardly anybody over there anyway, so you can kind of get there with filming, you know. But uh, yeah. Now, yeah, I... with permits, uh, yeah, to bounce off of that permit, I remember very vividly that we. Not we as a team, but we uh, that uh, well we as a team yes, but uh, my class and I we had to film in the library and uh, this is at the Brooklyn College Library and we had to do it at a one we had to pick our spot right then we had to tell the teacher mm-hmm. 
And my professor had to go to the department, get all this stuff formed out, you know, uh, filled, uh, filled out. So by the time we had a class next week, we would have not only our spot, you know, spot uh, selected, but also just like our location selected and then finally everything else selected. The only thing that we had to really worry was people who were probably like passing by or stuff like that, sitting down and then suddenly in the next shot, they're not even there anymore because it's probably, you know, someone else have already sat down. Uh, and I remember like, and the same thing at BMCC where it's like, at BMCC, a lot of people would always film like maybe in classrooms or something like that, find an empty classroom film their project there be out there you know be over and done within like maybe a span of a couple hours give or take or use the bar uh, the basketball court that's there you know a lot of the short films i saw especially for the short film festivals had always had that basketball court that's right there because it's like <laughs> it's just, it's just yeah. yeah so i understand the if it's i understand the the faults of if there's some place that you have that's easily accessible, like what you were just saying before with uh, the warehouse, if you have the access to that place already and it's free, you might as well just use it because I feel because getting permits and stuff like that too will be uh, I like I always thought that getting permits would be a hassle too because you have to go through the city, all that stuff, and then say. <laughs> Yeah, is, and just say, oh, by the way, you know, I'm filming a short movie or I'm filming a full movie or full-length movie here. And the weird thing is, like, in New York City, you oh, no matter where you are, there's always a film or TV show filming somewhere. Always, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and again, that always wasn't the case with Low Manhattan. Like, SVU could be uh, filming that week, or then the following week it was elementary, or the following week it was, like, White Collar suits so far and so on so it was always like something always being filmed and i always imagine it's like oh you know even though they're, they're, they'll be filming from like eight o'clock in the morning to like probably four o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night i imagine just getting like that permit for for something like that block or what have you right. it'd be a, a lot of people but darren you said it's 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 like it's not that quite easy but it's not that quite hard I mean, quite hard to get a uh, the paperwork going for a permit. Yeah, I could give an example if you like. Yeah. Um, like I, I recently um, acquired permits to shoot at Central Park for a, uh, a short like TV show for one of my friends, uh, a client of mine, and um, the process was it was a bit of back and forth with me and the like I think the director of the film department of um, the Central Park area. And I pretty much like I had to take the, a moment to when I was filling out the application, like the like figure out like okay what is happening in this production. Um, it, it is pretty simple. It's pretty laid out actually because uh, I was able to get it for free first and foremost. They do ask for a donation to maintain the parks, um, yeah. you know, like integrity and like you know maintenance and stuff like that. But it was fairly easy to uh, maintain. I just explained this to them and I said that. You know, like this is what we're doing. Nothing more, nothing less. We're going to be here from this time to this time. I have to figure out how long I'm going to be there, um, all the equipment I'm going to use and bring, um, and how many people are going to be on set, that kind of thing. And then after a while, they said you're approved, and I was like, great. Oh, wow. And I got I got an email that said if anything, just use this email. And 
um, on when when we were shooting that day, um, there was just like a like a part guy that showed up and asked what we were doing. And I said we're shooting the show, and then he said, "Oh, so like he's like, oh, so this is what ha was happening in this part of Central Park because like I guess they they kind of know like right. in the area." So I was like, "Oh yeah, that we're we're that crew." Yeah. Um, so it was it was like it was a very it's a very rewarding thing to have because it it just it eliminates a lot of um, questioning like like you know like it takes because I I do like guerrilla style shooting, but it 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 eases my mind that I can actually not like get questioned about like what i'm doing where i'm doing it right i'm, rem I'm reminded of a project that was um, um assistant director on uh we shot back in like sort of like mid-may through mid, uh, mid-june and uh one of the nights that we were shooting involved a sequence um it's kind of like an action series involved a sequence that involved a um a prop gun um yeah. And uh, like a you know a prop firearm, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a thing where we had to. We were shooting uh, up in um, like Washington Heights, like Inwood area, and uh, we actually I don't know how they got the permit, but the type of permit they had to get was one where they can have um, a squad car uh, from the police, like just on the set. Of course, off camera, and far away, but on set just to make sure like that everything is good. It was like from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. And they actually have like the sergeant come and just kind of, you know, check the firearm, make sure that it's good. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, that I I met, I remember thinking like that whole shoot, like, what if we didn't have that permit? What if we just tried to like, you know, go for it? Um, so, uh, yeah, I agree with Darren. It really eases your mind when you have that there. Um, even though, yeah, it can be a little bit difficult to deal with the paperwork and bureaucracy of it. Um, it's definitely like something to consider. I always tell people whenever uh, you're even writing, um, you know, to think about, okay, if we're going to use a firearm, you know, think about permits. Uh, mm -hmm. If you want to use a car, like whose car do we have um, available to use? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and picking up on that, uh, I'm just reminded of a few guests of mine who uh well not a, guest, a few guests of mine but a former guest of mine anthony he filmed in the central park and he mm -hmm. had the same thing where he filmed a short uh movie project of his and he filmed in central park and stuff like that too and i imagine just like filming in central park would be like such a hassle but it's like more along the lines of just getting in 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 touch with the central park uh Film department. Yes, parks department, essentially. Uh, the film department there, or what have you. Uh, now, you mentioned Gorilla Style before, and I'm kind of like reminded of whenever I think of Gorilla Style, I just reminded of no no budget, no permanent, well, no budget, nothing else, just, just someone with a camera and stuff like that, too. When you, and this goes for all of you, when you were first starting out, did you have this idea of like, oh, we're just like shooting things, maybe guerrilla style. We don't really have a budget. We just have a man with a camera, uh, a couple of actors, that sort of thing, Compa compared to now, where it's like, oh, we actually could have a budget now. Uh, we're visualizing uh, stuff that will be in the future. Well, um, I'm sure Michael and Edwin can vouch because uh, they were the like the original crew that started in middle school but back in those days and like the early high school days 
I don't think we had a clear idea of if we were going to be seriously doing film or not. Um, it was still kind of like our our time to just have fun and kind of experiment. And making these skits was kind of our way of hanging out. Yeah. Um, so at first, we d- weren't even thinking about filmmaking. It was just, hey, let's just make this dumb little video where uh, Michael and Edwin are playing cops with um, orange guns. And, you know, like it's clearly it's like kid stuff, I guess. And even... <laughs> Even in high school too, it was mostly just us hanging out, not really thinking about. I like how making... like shaking his head. No, it's not kids stuff for me. It was real for me. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> well, I, I've, I, I think it was, um, ironically, our method of also, kind of sticking it to the restrictions that we were given. There we go. Um, I think Eagle Force's gun replacement with the banana, because oh, we couldn't use guns. Um, it. <laughs> And it it really was kind of just the gorilla style of of you know we we had an idea we loved the story and how um, how the story played out and I think mm-hmm. that love of storytelling putting this into video and publishing it out I think that was what drove us kind of to where we are today. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. Yeah. Good. I was just shaking my head. Beautifully said, honestly. Yeah, no, it's beautifully <laughs> said. Yeah, I I love it. I would say also, like, it is different. The whole gorilla mentality is different in a couple of ways when you're younger and when you're older. Um, one, when you're younger, I think it's way more exciting. Of Like, oh, let's try to, like, sneak into this hotel and, like, they have, like, an atrium and film there. Like, let's try to do this stunt in the street. Like, uh, there's way more of an excitement. But, like, as an adult who understands, like, responsibility and consequences, it's like, oh, God, we have to do that. You, you want us to do what in the street? Like, you want us to do what? No, 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 no. And there's a less of an explanation, too, because, like, uh, we did have the cops kind of stop us several times but like back in high school it was well kind of like oh it's these it's these kids but now it's, it's these like kids 25 you know. 20 you know 27 28 30 year olds it's like yeah what are you guys doing here like like they see you as like a disturbance to the peace so. yeah um i will say i want to add one thing real quick um like i do i do respect the gorilla style um because i have a little little story um like about a year or two ago now like these kids at my at my job, I don't know if I get trouble for this, but at my job, um, I I was like in the, the members area, and these kids walked in, like wanted to know what this place was, like oh this is for members only and whatever. It's like like seven of them, and they were like I don't know, like maybe high school like age, and then they just asked me, can we shoot a music video in here? And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have I, to make that decision. I gave them like, like three minutes to do it. Yeah. <laughs> And, nice. uh, that was, and that was it, you know, I was like, it's not busy, so, you know what, go for it. I, I, I understand exactly what, like, like what you're going through. We were all there, so, like, <laughs> at some point in our lives, all of us were that. Yeah. And to a certain degree, still that, except, I guess, less uh, immature or childish. I, I'd say, like, our tactics have changed, basically. Yeah. So we're a lot smarter about making those choices and you know we've done guerrilla filmmaking up until now and we're and i guess we're still doing it for a lot of our other projects but you know none of it um requires like for example like uh, indoor locations for example like if so then we're paying for the indoor locations but it's mostly like stuff like just out in the street like walking shots but um most of what we do uh at least now have been at least somewhat smarter and still saving the cost money, but still 
um, trying to make sure like we're not stepping over the bounds of what we can and can't do. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that makes perfect sense because, uh, as I said, um, filming in something like uh, Brooklyn College or BMCC or some public place, it'll probably be easy. Because, well, not easy, but it'll be. If you know how to sneak in, I'm not saying it's, uh, I'm not saying, well, I'm not saying just sneak in stuff, but. Right. Uh, but when you are making a film and you do want to use a, a place that you know, like with Darren and, and his place of business or whatever that may be, and then saying, hey, you know, I have an idea. I want to use this place for at least a few minutes, you know, just film it's just, you know, just two people talking in the hallway, you know, I have no other places to know, you know, to, to serve as a hallway because we, you know, I could use my apartment hallway, but apartments are more, you know, crowded. It's more mm-hmm. not mindful, but this place might be more suitable for something that I'd be filming. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine, especially if you're trying to film in the street too, especially it's like, if I'm filming in the, uh, out in the street, do I do it late at night when no one's around? Do I do mm-hmm. it late early in the morning when no one's around? Mm-hmm. Do I do it early in the evening where some people are around, but they just don't not mindful of just like people walking around with cameras or just talking? Right. Because I and that's an, another thing about New York City is that no matter where you are, someone will have their phone out and probably well, sorry, uh, have their phone out and oh man, have their phone out and. <laughs> Be filming. Mm-hmm. My poor phone is getting uh, blocked by uh, the, the, the <laughs> green by the chair. Yeah, because <laughs> it is in the same you know color and whatnot. But yeah, the I, I do uh, and yeah, I do admit that filming gorilla style it has its perks and advantages, but it also has its disadvantages because you know you never know when there will be a security guard coming around the corner or something to that right. Yeah, you know, I imagine. Yeah, and 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 this is one of my last questions because I know it's like getting into like an hour and a half of us talking. But I've been filming this for like an hour. But going into like one of my last questions is not only is uh, production rights issues because you know you mentioned fan. Uh, I wouldn't say fan films, but like. Uh, films that are related to popular franchises. You know, I know you did the Blade Runner one. I know you did one about, uh, uh, I forgot what was the other one. Uh, uh, we did several, like, fan films in the past. I think. Like, we did, like, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. yeah. I imagine, like, when you want to do something like that and then you put it on YouTube, you may get, like, a copyright strike because, you know, uh, Warner Bros. is, you know, saying that you can't use, you know, this... Footage because and this has happened in the past too, where it's like I put up my uh, uh, final project on YouTube of my uh, my film pro- uh, f- film project a few years ago, and I use clips of Hans Zimmer's uh, Catwoman theme from The Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. and because I wanted to give one of the characters a very uh, uh, not really Catwoman esque theme, but I wanted to give one like very playful theme. And that was the one I was thinking. And mm. sure enough, if you, if you watch it on YouTube, there's like a whole section of it that is just blocked out because of uh, 
of that one section. So I imagine, mm-hmm. you know, and this goes into the thing is like when you have to go into production rights issues, say, you know, I want to use uh, a song, but, you know, and this could probably go to Nadim too, because I know Nadim is a songwriter and singer. It's like, hey, I got, I have no song, I, you know, and wanting to use a song, I may have to pay, you know, money, more money in my own pocket, you know, do you, with with rights issues like how do you compare that you know how do you deal with that especially if it's like a a small fan film i mean it's kind of difficult and i chose to not make any more fan films after blade runner because i wanted to focus on just creating original works and not i guess piggybacking off another property although like there are so many times where where i do think about like oh man like i would love to do a thing related to this project or this universe or or such and such but in terms of the stuff that's copywritten like all of the films that are well not all of them but i'd say a good chunk of them that are on the youtube channel have copyrighted material um and yeah. it's mostly music um but it's something that you have to be smart about um i always whenever i um upload a, a video i make sure that the video is um not struck by any blocks or any any partial blocks for example like i always test it and see if the if the track i'm using is still okay so i'll always create a um a draft that i render and then i upload the draft unlisted and see if the copyright strikes are hit and um you know most copyright strikes um they'll just put like an ad in the front of your video and that's it and they'll just kind of leave it up there and that's and that's totally great for me but if i get like a a block i'll try to either rethink um the track like is there something similar um that sounds like this track and i'll sacrifice it or you can be a little tricky and slow down the track by 70 percent, and then you can kind of there's there are loopholes within the copyright system but for example something like last session that i want to submit two festivals like that's something yeah. where absolutely no copyrighted material should be in it uh because it should be 100 percent my own product with our our um artistry in it whether it be music or visuals or whatnot so um like a temp score where it's like oh you know we don't we only have a temp score right now so uh we have someone to, who's working on the score but right now it's a temp score so you probably hear like you know like like dun, 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 you know stuff that doesn't feel mm. like right to the thing mm. Yeah, um, one of the first things that comes to mind is, um, uh, what's that term? Royalty-free? I think it's the term. Yes. Yeah, um, I I usually will, um, you know, look for royalty-free music. If I'm doing a project, then, like, I want to track on it, um, and I don't want to, like, deal with any of those, like, annoying, like, YouTube blocks. Um, I think that's one way to go, Um, like, one helpful thing to do. you know, when you're when you're doing films uh, and you want to be careful about, uh, particularly with your soundtrack licensed materials, just look up royalty-free music. Or um, if you know a composer, someone who could probably like compose a track for you. Um, we're actually doing that right now, me and Yoko, with um, our uh, composer for last session. Uh, you know, we gather like uh, samples or songs that we like um, as like a reference. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, um, I guess, if you're doing a film that's like like a music video or based around like a song that is already like an existing licensed property. 
my second film, uh, not to you know plug too much, but my second film was a fan music video for uh, The Weeknd's Tears in the Rain. Yeah. And um, I mean, I didn't really care. I was like, I'm going to do this project. If YouTube blocks it, then, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, I did try to make it uh, a little bit clear that, like, it's not intended for profit. So there no. was a disclaimer in the credits I put, like, this is a nonprofit uh, independent film. Uh, all rights go to the owners of the song. And I also put, like, the song credits mm-hmm. as well. So and, and I hope that maybe by doing that, um, I wonder if maybe like that's a big reason why it wasn't blocked. But yeah, it could be, it could definitely be like a difficult thing to deal with because um you can't just go up to like Hans Zimmer or you can't just you can't just email him and be like, hey, can I have the rights for your song? Oh, like, you, you probably, can't. I imagine you, you have can't to go, do that. I, I I imagine you have to go through his team. Like they gotta. Right. It's probably like a big fee. You gotta pay for it. Um, actually, um, uh, last November of 2020 i tried to do this live show like in my home oh, and yes. try to like oh, yeah. stream it like live stream it yeah. online and i had to test it out because one of the times i was testing it out to test out the equipment i noticed that it was blocking uh the video i'm like why is it blocking the video well yeah you're using a licensed song and i remember thinking but the licensed song is is, is <laughs> it's yours it's my, it's my own music <laughs> so uh yeah i agree it can, it can be a really challenging thing to deal with um especially if you're in a position where like you already have to use that media that is licensed yeah i actually yes. just watched um the fan music video um <laughs> it still holds up oh yeah absolutely absolutely please watch thank, it thank you thank you uh yeah. darren helped produce it tears in the rain tears in the rain I asked when I first heard about it, I was like, Tears in the Rain, is it going to be like a Blade Runner type of uh, music video? Because it's just like, it's a very famous uh, phrase. And then when I watched I'm like, oh, no, this is way different. Okay. <laughs> Actually, um, like, uh, ironically, uh, the album uh, that, that was on Kissland was heavily inspired by uh, Blade Runner. So I think that it's like a direct nod almost um, in the lyrics and uh, also in the instruments that were used. Nice. Uh, as I mentioned before, that was kind of like one of my last questions because it, it kind of like went straight into uh, like the notion of girl style filmmaking. And then like if you're doing girl style filmmaking, it's like how do you do like scores or not only that, like a temp music track or something like that, especially if you have no budget to do all that. And uh, what I was going to actually ask again was Nadine as I mentioned, he's like, oh, you're a singer. You know, when a friend says, hey, you know, I'm doing a film, is it possible to use one of your songs? Do you go like, eh, that's okay. Or do you go like... I've done that many times. (laughs) Or do you just basically go, all right, I'll I'll let you do my, uh, I'll let you use my song, but for a fee? Um, At the moment, uh, it's more of like, just use the song. Um like that's really my my stance right now i think that maybe um as like i go further into doing the music then maybe i might need to like license it for a fee but at the moment now just whoever wants to use it um honestly even if like the film that they use it for like ends up like grossing like a million dollars uh well okay hold on hold on wait wait wait, hold on like (laughs) then i might be like all right let me let me get some royalties um but uh yeah i guess that's something that i'll figure out more like as as it goes along yeah because again oh okay and and again i'm about to i'm literally about to uh 
be like, oh, I think that's my last question. But then I have one great question that's like, I think the definitive last question. Now, a lot of people have been fighting with YouTube, especially with um, not only copyright strike and stuff like that too, uh, especially if they're content creators such as myself, such as you, such as, you know, use. Uh, what are the struggles that you have going with something that you are just putting on YouTube and figuring out, you know, like, do I really want to keep on putting this on YouTube when I know I'm probably going to get another strike and I don't want my channel to be shut down and I have to re, you know, reorganize a new channel, all that stuff, especially going forward because I, you know, there are a lot of channels that I, that I know of, especially, you know, like one challenge is Dead Meat and Dead Meat is a uh, horror review show that also counts the kills of a lot of, you know, horror movies. So, and I know, and the guy who runs the channel, James A. Denise, he has a lot of problems sometimes uh, to doing, um, just doing uh, movies. Uh, one of the most recent examples was Train to Versailles. Or is it, uh, is it Versailles? Or is it Versailles? Versailles, Versailles, yeah. Versailles. Apparently, for a while, he only had the, uh, the the kill count for that review up for like maybe a day and a half, and then the studio decides to copyright it, and then essentially it's off of YouTube for a while. And then suddenly, like last month or so, the kill count just comes up, wrapped back up. It's like, oh, train to Basan. And then the same thing happened with, uh, he just started recently uh, reviewing the Fear Street movies. And since Fear Street is owned by Netflix or or owned by 23 Fox, you know, he had the same problem. When you're doing that, and and again, this goes back to uh, you know, the previous films of yours, especially with it being, like, adjacent into franchise or, you know, franchise homages, fan films. Do you, like see yourself as like i really don't want this channel to be shut down because of this fan film that i that i put my heart and soul into because i know there are a lot of people who are struggling with youtube and yeah that the question is like how you know when you are struggling with youtube or a video platform in general do you just keep on working up to the the, 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 the yeah do you just keep on working up to the fact that okay YouTube is giving me shit right now. I just have to keep on working more and more into on another platform. Um, I, I've honestly never had issues with, like, of course, I've had issues with copyright uh, material, but I never think about it, honestly. And as long as you're smart about it, there are so many loopholes that you can use. And, and obviously for our content, uh, we don't use any licensed yeah. visuals and that's what really get you is like visual content as opposed to audio content uh, like yeah. some songs that um you potentially can't use but um yeah. i don't really Evan use those kind of songs made a yeah. series of three uh yes yeah that we had for 30 seconds a beatles song is like the theme of the series and uh. all the audio got pulled from each episode yeah. so i just want to push back you can get <laughs> you can't get in trouble for audio no you can happens. but in terms of like my films, like I try not to use like popular music, and that, and that's the reason why. That's the exact reason why. Um, mm. So in in my life as a filmmaker, I guess, and 
um, I never really think about copyright issues because I always test out to see if I get a strike on my on my films or or, or whatnot. So I, I hardly ever really think about it. Um, but it is, I guess, it's it, it's fair in a way, but also unfair to creators. And I understand both sides. I get the studio side. I, I get the creator side. But as a filmmaker, that stuff doesn't really, I guess, pertain to what I do in my in my life. Since I guess, um, even though the films that I make on YouTube have some copyright elements, um, they hardly ever get stricken because I don't, um, uh, in particular, use things that can be struck down. If that makes yeah. sense. Well, well you'll go. I just, uh, I just yeah. had to add one thing. I think at some point during the filmmaking process throughout the years, um, we, we, I think we figured out we weren't reaching the right audience or there was some kind of copyright issue with YouTube. So we duplicated our upload also to Vimeo, if anyone remembers Vimeo. Yeah, we did. I, I still have my Vimeo account, but like, I think the, the main focus for making it, I think you're bringing that up, Edwin, was I think we weren't, reaching the views that we wanted originally and that's why we opened up our vimeo account but vimeo obviously is geared towards filmmakers but it has a lot less people that use vimeo yeah. um so obviously it didn't really get the views that we want but at this point i know that um the stuff we create is is more niche it's not like vlog style or it's not something that popular um videos are like and not a lot of people um youtube short films that, that's more so for like filmmaker people like us who seek out short films on youtube so um yeah. at some point i realized views um were going to be pretty stagnant on on our stuff so that at some point i was just like this can't really bother me um so uh but thank you for bringing up that point edwin that is a very good point all right uh yeah that's a good way to end today's episode uh now before we all go i do have like I, I usually end my interviews with three questions one it should be an easy question is that do you have aside from the last session do you have any projects that are about to be released that you want to plug huh no, this guy's smiling yeah <laughs> Do you oh, have, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, do you yeah. have any projects that you want to uh, plug that are being released soon, and do you want to talk about it? Yes. Like, in um, a like uh, summary thing, not like a whole like. Yeah, I'll talk about it, and then five hours later, we're still talking about it. <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. I'll keep this brief because I do uh, tend to ramble on. Um, <laughs> so um, we have our second feature that's in the works at the moment. Uh, Michael and I have just recently finished the shooting script. So it's been uh, kind of a work in progress, but um, we are kickstarting the filming um, in September uh, and it's gonna be shooting in the last weekend of September. So that's very exciting. It's, it's a lot of heavy lifting that we have to do. Um, and um, it's mainly just about the experiences I went through last year making my first feature film. So I'm kind of using that as a way to tell this story. So this, Next film is not semi-autobiographical because it's not about m my life, but it's about a particular moment in my life. Hmm. Um, but 
Michael and Nadim are also again starring as the main leads in the film. Um, I can't I'm a supporting character. There are bigger characters. No, yes, yes, you're a supporting character, but you are also an important character. I can't uh, reveal uh, <laughs> what, who, 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 or what you play. Um, but uh, Nadim's character basically is like an avatar for myself. So Nadim, you have some big shoes to fill playing this guy. Um, but uh, I know you can do me justice. Um, but um yeah that film is going to start production very soon i'm starting to organize everything i was able to lock down the locations for it so i'm already starting to pay off some of the production budget and everything um so that's going to be kickstarting very very soon um very stressed at the moment but it'll it'll pay off once it's done and i can finally rest again um and yeah, and then in the meantime as well, um, I guess uh, last session, of course, is still in post-production. I'm hoping to get it finished by the end of the year because I do have some plans for its potential release, hopefully, if if things end up uh, pulling through. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see how last session will be. Um, uh, Darren has showed us some, some previews of some of the um, CG... Uh, work because there are uh, some elements that I'm trying not to spoil it, but uh, there are some elements in last session that require some <laughs> screen, some CG effects uh, um, for certain elements of the story. Um, so Darren has been uh, doing a lot of the heavy lifting to make that actually come to fruition because there were many times on set, uh, Michael, you know this, where we kind of looked at each other and we kind of said, is this possible? Are we doing this? Like, this is—is is this going to work out? Okay, I guess we'll have to. All right, I guess we got to do it anyway. I guess we're doing it. Um, well. so, uh, it's going to be uh, a work in in progress, and then I'm also working with um, our good friend uh, Adam, who's working on the score for last session. And then Ronald is going to be working on the audio and the color for it. So there's a lot of post production stuff that we have to deal with. So that's going to be, not fun in particular and very tedious but it all work out in the end hopefully uh but that's uh, the two main projects i have going on at the moment is is last session in post-production hopefully hopefully uh, uh finishing by the end of the year and um our second feature citizen con which will uh kickstart in september so uh, you two start uh, memorizing your lines please already on it man i have uh, a ship right here you ha oh my god. I don't have the script in front of me. Not Good. right now. Good. Now, uh, yeah, uh, does anybody else have like a project you want to plug? I know Darren has uh, sugar. Yeah, Darren's got stuff, yeah. Yeah, Darren has always got stuff, you know. I, I know you also have like a, another podcast of of you playing like caricatures of like being a fox, some something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. That unfortunately had to be shut down when OnlyFans was. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of my work can be seen on uh, SugarPaintCarStudios.com. Um, that's without the A in Sugar. But um, currently working on the visual effects for uh, the last session. Um, I've, I'm working also on the visual effects for a short film I produced um, called Taxman. Um, and that's going to be coming out, well, it's going to go through a festival run first, so we'll, we'll probably have like a private screening of that. Nice. Um, season two of Domestic Theater, the entire season one is on the website as well, but also on YouTube. Um, and season two is, is still in a production where, uh, 
it's I'm still working out like new story elements for that show. Um, going a bit more, not scripted, but a bit more narrative. Um, and uh, yeah, I know. And um, and I'm currently producing a TV show called Tattoos and Wine with Pedro. Um, I'm on episode four right now. Actually, we're on episode five in production right now. Um, and, and that's um, a consistent thing. I have three more episodes to shoot of that and, and finish up um, before that season's done. And then that's it. Uh, Nadim, do you have anything that you want to promote? Because I know you have your music and... Uh, not at the moment. Right. No, I'll leave it at as it is. Please uh, check out his music that's already up uh, now on iTunes and Spotify. It's it's all very, very good. Thank you. All right. uh, Michael, Edwin, do you have anything else you want to promote? Um, no. Uh, I, I, mostly the Yoko stuff. <laughs> mostly Yoko stuff. That's, mostly Yoko stuff. He's directly tied with a lot of the work that I'm doing. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, a good way to end t- this episode. Uh, honestly, if you need to follow... Uh, honestly, you, you do need to follow this group of uh, great filmmakers. Uh, that's just not me uh, coming, you know, tuning their own horn and whatnot, but they are great filmmakers all by themselves. Uh, as always, my name is Brian M. Davis. You please be well, please be safe, please wear a damn mask, get vaccinated, what have you. Let's just end this crazy nightmare so I could actually do this stuff on location, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> But yeah, thank you all, and I bid you all adieu.